All right, welcome into the Pick and Pod. This is take two today. We had a, we had a good one before. We're going to try to bring some new stuff at you. Had a couple technical difficulties. Luckily, this is going to be a great podcast. I'm glad to be back with these guys. I got David Ballack on my left. David, how you feeling? Pretty good. Excited to do it again. Round two. Two times more fun. It is. Yeah, double the fun. And Tyler Friere, you're looking fresh over there. Yes, thank you. Coming straight from the women's basketball game. I'm ready to go, guys. Right on. Let's jump right into the Knicks, guys. Uh, the main thing we want to talk about here is Kristaps Porzingis, who's just <laughs> been playing out of his mind recently. Phil Jackson yesterday says that he has a magical element about him, that that's what's drawing the fans to him. He's really, you know, picking up in New York here, and they're a chance for him every game. It's really, they're getting louder and louder, and the fans just love to see him play well. I, I'm loving watching him play. Yeah, it, it's amazing to see how the fans have rallied behind him after spattered boos when he got drafted and even coming up in his first couple of games questioning this guy, who is this guy from Latvia, and then all of a sudden he's yep. taken over the team. The Knicks are scoring 2.9 better than their opponents when he's on the floor. They're being outscored by 9.4 points when he's off the floor per 100 possessions, so he's completely changing the game for them. He's getting the boards. It's it's awesome to see. Yeah. What's even more surprising is the fact that on the defensive end, he's stout. I mean, the going coming into the draft, a lot of people said he was too skinny, wasn't really a good defender, needed to bulk up, but he's blocking shots, he's rebounding. Yeah. And it's that plays a big part in the NBA and he that's that's a testament to his success right Yeah, now. this guy's 230 pounds and it seems almost every night there's another video online of the new Porzingis block blocking anybody like the mm-hmm. big centers, the seven footers. Just every night Porzingis is just doing something different on the floor. We're seeing different aspects of his game. I know last night we saw passing from him, which we haven't seen that much of, but he's making the nice dishes, getting guys with the pump fake and going up and under. It's fun to watch. This guy is a game changer for the Knicks. Yeah, one thing on the blocks, I shameless plug for my Knicks report from today. Uh, <laughs> the the big difference I see is he's not bringing his arms down when he's going up to block shots. He's he's going straight up. Last night he only came down one time. He got called for the foul and he adjusted. He's blocking shots because he's going up the right way. He's contesting shots and basically the only way you can because it's going to be pretty much an automatic foul every time you come down right. hard on the ball. I mean that's just you know it's it seems like a basic basketball thing, but. It's really important, and a lot of guys just never yeah. even are able to grasp it. And when you're seven three, I mean, uh, yeah, like, I take advantage of your <laughs> long arms. Like, it's hard to get a shot off above him, and so right, doing yeah. a great job. Yeah, and his wingspan seven six. So, it, I mean, <laughs> that alone is enough to disturb basically anybody's shot. And and he's really shown shown what he can do on the defensive end. Another thing is Derek Fisher was saying uh, last night after the Philadelphia game that he and Carmelo are really developing a good chemistry and a good rapport. And it does seem you can see it a little bit in the locker room. And I think that's really important going forward. I think that will determine the ceiling of this team because if Melo is willing to pass a little bit more, willing to dish it, then I, and I think this team can actually make some noise this year in the East. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest knock against the Knicks is that in the year and now two years that Derek Fisher's been there, they haven't really adjusted to the triangle offense. Right. But if and I think that comes down to Carmelo and how Carmelo plays. The knock when they first brought in the offense was, would he be able to fit into it? It's not necessarily Melo's a guy who needs the ball in his hands and needs to work off the dribble. He's not necessarily a catch-and-shoot player. But if he can adjust and start using Porzingis in this offense, yeah, I I agree. I I think the Knicks could very well be a playoff team this year. Yeah, and I think he really does feed off Kristaps a lot. I mean, just telling from the first month of the season, Melo seems a lot more comfortable in this triangle offense. I mean, Kristaps can space the floor. He's shown he can shoot the ball. Yep. 
And with that alone, it's just it's it's just another element to this team that can help it propel to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and and the other thing is, uh, Derek Fisher's kind of switched up the lineups a little bit. He's he's changed how he's subbing. Early on, it was only Mello, Mello and Kristaps were basically subbing and out together. Yeah, it was starters and bench. Yeah, and, I mean they they play great together, but they also work really well apart. And I think. I think the bench guys are getting energy from being able to play with Mel, being able to play with Chris Stapps. We see guys like Jaron Grant now playing better. And I think that'll continue because I think both of those guys, when, when Carmelo's passing, I think he's a fun guy to play with. I, I don't think you know, like that, that becomes a problem. And Chris Stapps, I mean, the guys love him. Right. I mean, everybody wants to see him succeed. Jose Calderon is always talking about it. I mean, they really, really like this guy, and they, they genuinely want to see him see him do well in the NBA yeah and to your point about having the two different guys like one in one out those two surprisingly at least to me that mellow is but those two are the top rebounders on the Knicks so yeah. if you have one of them in Kristaps getting like 9.3 boards a game and Mello's getting about 6.8 Mello led the team in boards last year which shouldn't happen yeah York. <laughs> but that if you have one of them getting the boards then the Knicks can run which they haven't done in the last few years and they're finally starting to get that flow in the offense and they're I think the biggest difference is, like, guys aren't just, like... It felt like the last couple of years, like, everybody was trying to play their role in the triangle but not play basketball at the same time. Like, yeah. it's tough when you're adjusting. Thinking and about na- too much. Yeah. And now, now that they know their spots, they know their roles, and they can get out and run the floor, and they're willing to shoot the ball earlier in the shot clock and not get the ball movement, and they're just getting the buck, the ball in the bucket, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. And the, the other, you were saying before about the the blocks we're seeing all the time on the internet. We're seeing how, you know, he's coming up with blocks. The other thing, part of his rebounding is he's gotten so many putback jams. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. Like highlight putback jams. Uh, yeah. yeah. Serious. Like over people's backs and like yep. r- great plays. Yeah. I mean, Derek Williams had one of those last night too, but the guy I see it most out is Porzingis. And it is because of his length. I mean, he's not, he, he's not often getting the over the back calls because he basically doesn't have to jump on anybody's <laughs> back to do it. He just goes up and he slams it home every time somebody misses. Yeah. I mean, I remember coming into the draft watching his video his highlights video and like that's what it was it was he was doing everything was knocking down threes he was getting the putback jams but you're like all right this is over in europe it's a different game like it's really hard to see guys come over and adjust and play like the same type of game when they come over but he's doing it and i mean we haven't really seen that from a european player in in a while somebody coming over and just bringing their game and transitioning so easily we honestly haven't seen it I mean, I'm going to go there since Dirk. I mean, yeah. A lot of people, like, I, I have a discussion with my friend, and I really think he could be the next Dirk. I mean, to the, to the standpoint where, like, he can still shoot at seven feet tall, seven foot yeah. three, and he can control the game with rebounding. And I just think he, he has a lot of Dirk in him, and it's a it's a bright side for the Knicks, for sure. Yeah, last night he was two or three from beyond the arc, and he just feels, it looks like he's really comfortable shooting it. He's not he's not hesitating anymore. There Early in the season there was a little bit of that, but that's, you know, you're going to see that from a rookie. Nice. Now it looks like he's really getting open and knocking down threes. And what a luxury for the Knicks to have a seven foot three power forward who can score anywhere from the arc all the way in to the paint yep like i mean you you can't really ask for a better kind of player on your team than that right like that's yep. like the ideal candidate exactly space the floor and it's just great for the team yeah it really compliments too last night somebody asked uh porzingis whether he liked playing with robin lopez and he thinks their games complement each other perfectly because yeah. you know robin's going to be down there more often and when he can stretch the floor and step out it's huge for the knicks and so going we'll transition a little bit the knicks got the nets tomorrow night big and, game big yeah game. big game uh, the Nets are at five and thirteen. They're they're struggling. They're struggling to start the season. Now they're looking a little bit better. Brooke Lopez is leading the team with uh, twenty points per game and over two blocks. So we got a little Lopez uh, reunion here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I think it should be a good game. I, I mean, these they have there's a passion in this rivalry, and uh, I, I think the Nets are starting to get on the right track. Yeah, there's no reason not to think that it will be competitive. The game's at New York, but the Nets right now have four straight home wins. I mean, obviously it's not a home game at MSG, but I think there will be some Nets fans there. These yeah. kind of games always have the same uh, rivalry, and the guys, the guys are going to be fired up to play, and, and the Nets are playing better basketball. They got off to a terrible, sluggish start. And they they knew it, and the mood in the locker room was everyone was so down. But after every game, and at least coming to the five after like five or six losses, they're like, you know, we really are seeing the improvements every night. We're starting to play the kind of basketball that we want to play, and everybody's starting to buy in now to the system. And the guys are dishing the ball around more, getting the open shots, getting good looks, and getting different players involved in the game. They're not. Um, it seems like every night it's a different guy leading the team in points. There's not one guy. I mean, Brooke Lopez is pretty steady again, his 20 yeah. game. But every night there's somebody else coming up with the 12, 15 points that you need. Shane Larkin shooting the ball well. Thaddeus Young is a huge contributor at both ends of the floor and just a great role player. And the rookie, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, is doing a phenomenal job too. Yeah. To, carry, to carry on on that, uh, Jarrett Jack is, hasn't been too bad at the point guard position either. About 14 points a game, about seven assists. They, the big question with uh, Brooklyn was the point guard going yeah. in, and he he's been in the league for a long time, and he knows this league, and I just think he's he's been doing a great job in the point guard position for them. Yeah, yeah. and he's confident there too, and I I think he has, he's a big presence in the locker room. When whenever I'm in there, he's always talking to the younger guys, especially with Hollis Jefferson, and messing around with the guys, and they're having fun, especially after these last couple of home wins. And so that's good to see because he's a veteran guy. Him and Joe Johnson, this this team's. Is interesting because there's a lot of young guys and there's a couple of older guys on the team too. But it it takes that veteran leadership, especially when you're struggling in the beginning, to be like guys like we have to have a bigger picture in mind. We have to continue to improve every game, and I think they've done a good job of that. And it's, I think Joe Johnson too isn't getting enough credit. He's not necessarily scoring the way that we always think of Joe Johnson, the All Star, the amazing shooter. But he's passing the ball really well. There was another an, a night a few. Uh, days ago we had like nine assists and we were just like wow like look at Joe Johnson like adjusting his game and reporters asked him after the game like Joe like is this weird for you is it hard and he was like no like I just want the team to win I want everybody to improve I want us to play better every night and so if that's what it takes like that's what I'm here to do which is great to hear you know that's interesting because last year he really was down when I, I mean I remember going in there and all the time he just seemed unhappy to be in Brooklyn unhappy to be on that team they're really struggling at times so is it? Are you saying that he's really, you know, picking it up? Is he? Is he happier? Does he seem like he's? I mean, he's he's still kind of he's kind of reserved. He's kind of quiet, especially yeah. when he's with reporters. Um, but I mean, I didn't I didn't get to see him a lot last year in the locker room. But I I think he's he's buying in. It may be his last year there. Yeah. But I mean, I think he understands his role on this team now probably better than he did last year, and he's accepted that a little bit more and knows what he needs to do. So it's it's good to see. Yeah, that's important. And what do, you, what do you think of Hollis Jefferson sliding into the starting lineup? I, I know some people thought it was a bit of an unpopular decision among some. Right. It was, it was interesting because the I think it was about six games in, and they were still in the lose on their – they hadn't won yet. And uh came from ownership. They were like, look, we need to get uh, Hollis Jefferson in. And a lot of times whenever we hear somebody getting inserted in the starting lineup in any sport coming from ownership, it usually means there's some kind of problem. But – Hollis Jefferson has taken off, and Lionel Collins has seemed to embrace it. Jefferson's getting 6.3 boards a game, which is the biggest part. He's getting 1.4 assists, 1.5 steals, just 
at all ends, and he he's the role player. Hollis Jefferson is never going to be a star player for right. the Nets. I don't think he's ever going to average 20 points a game. He might get to 10 to 15 because he can score a little bit. Yeah. He's got an he okay jump well. shot, yeah. But he's he's taken off with this starting role, which is huge for the Nets, and good for them going forward to have a role player because this is a league where it comes down to role players. We saw it with the Hawks last year. The Spurs have been a team where they have some stars, but I mean those guys aren't necessarily like superstars. Yeah. If you can get your solid role players, you're going to get you good minutes and play well both ends of the floor. That's huge to have, especially going into free agency this next year. With the Nets are hoping to have a big year, so he's an attractive candidate for anybody coming over. And so it's great to have and a good trade for them at the draft. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I, I liked Mason Plumlee. I thought he was one of their lone bright spots for the future. But I think you know trading him to get another bright spot. I think it worked out. I think I think in the end it'll be end up being a good deal for them. And that's going forward after the Knicks game. They play the Warriors. Who guys? They're they're just dominating. They it just seems like they can't lose. And we look at their schedule. The Warriors' schedule specifically coming up. They they just beat Charlotte. They're at the Raptors. Then they're at the Nets. That's a back to back. Then they've got at Pacers, and that'll be their third game in four nights at Celtics at Bucks. Bit of a tough stretch coming up here. There's some good teams there. I mean, those are some of the top teams in the East. This this is a tough road trip, but I don't know. Do you guys see them losing? Oh man, the Warriors are just they're the, they're the team to watch right now. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want them to lose. Yeah. I want them. I want them to go eighty two and zero. I want them to win every single game. I'm not a Warriors fan in any way, but they're just so fun to watch. Yeah. And it, it's kind of it's kind of cool to have that team that's just breaking records. They just had the record for all four major American sports for the longest winning streak to start a season, breaking some baseball team from the 1800s, which is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it really is incredible when you think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, And that's without their be coach, too. I mean, Steve Kerr still isn't there. It's Luke Walton. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, that's a, that's adversity to fight through. Yeah, they're, they're also fighting through Harrison Barnes is out with an injury. A sprained ankle. I mean, yeah. without Steve Kerr, a lot of people said, oh, their team is not going to play the way that they did in the finals. But that has that had nothing to do with it. They're just playing. They're playing lights out right now. I mean, are we looking at Luke Walton as a potential like head coaching uh, job vacancy? Maybe is he yeah. gonna slide in somewhere. I, I mean, see, I he's doing that. a nice job right now. It, it is interesting though. Luke Walton doesn't get credit for these wins in his career record. Yeah, Steve Kerr is still the head coach, so Steve Kerr has racked up the last twenty wins on his career record, <laughs> but without doing anything. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, but I mean. It's it's tough. I, we I mean, you talked a little bit before. Uh, that that Pacers game is the one to circle on the schedule, right? The I was third game in four that, nights. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, is that the one title you think is going to be it? A hundred. If it happens, yeah. I would love to see history. I'm not gonna like say I don't want to see them go 33 and 0 and tie that Lakers record from the 70s. But Paul George just earned Player of the Month along yep. with Steph Curry. Along with Steph Curry, yeah. The, in the Eastern in the Western Eastern Conference, respectively. But Paul George is is back, and after that gruesome injury, he seems to have a chip on his shoulder, yeah. to say the least. And going into Indiana, I don't think the Warriors are going to have as smooth as a ride as everyone thinks without yeah. Harrison Barnes. Yeah, Barnes. I mean, it's uh, the doctors are saying that he could be out as many as six weeks. The high ankle sprain is not what you want to be dealing with, and I think he's a crucial part of their team. Uh, I mean, I, going into Indiana, that is a tough place to play, too. It's one of the tougher places, I'd say, in the NBA. And, and they really – that's – Everybody has the Warriors circle on their schedule. Everybody wants the right. team to knock them off. So we saw that with the Nets. The Nets almost beat them at Golden yeah. State. They took them to overtime, and so yeah, you never know when the Nets yeah, on right. Sunday. <laughs> it's the game you don't expect. Probably. You, can, you can't say that like it's going to be a walk in the park for the Nets. I mean, you obviously expect them to take it 
any of these games, I mean, the NBA this year, especially anybody can beat anybody except for it seems like the Warriors. The Warriors right? <laughs> um, but everyone else is losing to different teams every night. You beat a good oh, team yeah. one night, and then it just happened with my Wizards. The Wizards beat the Cavs one night, and the next night, Kobe comes in and takes them down. It's just like, <laughs> come on, he guys. He just played terribly at Philadelphia. <laughs> he comes in, and he plays a good Wizards team, or a team I think is good at least, and, and that's what happens. So. So we'll see, it, but the war are the Warriors. It almost feels like they're not even in the same league. Yeah, and Steph Curry especially is not in the same league with anyone else in the yeah. NBA. When he basically doesn't have to play in the fourth quarter, that is an incredible boost for your team because you're, you're talking. I mean, a road trip like this, you think about you know needing rest and you know it's tough. You're playing multiple games, but when you have a little like a few less minutes, even just a couple, it makes a big difference. Especially, I mean, especially you're going three games in four nights. That that could be big because he's had a couple of games where he's just sat the whole time because he got he scored thirty or forty in the first yeah, three quarters and he's he's I mean I think you still got to take into account that they went and had a finals run last year yeah it takes a big toll on your body you're playing almost another half of a season that everybody else in the NBA isn't playing so and this ha- is a guy who had ankle injuries to start his career yeah. Yeah. he was always struggling with those and I mean knock on wood he's been uh, being able to stay healthy and, and I hope it continues because he's. One of the most fun players to watch. I mean, I think he is the most fun player to watch right now. I think he's number one on my list. And to throw something out there that's pretty interesting, I've seen this this tweet. He can possibly win most improved player and MVP. If you think about it, he has a 10-plus... Progressing progression in his points per game. I mean, that's staggering. Yeah, and he's yeah still Mark Stein. Ball at, well. Mark Stein of ESPN is the one who first brought that into yeah. everybody else, and I it. There's, I, he's not going to win most improved player no, because yeah. he's he won MVP last year. So it's just like, I mean, yeah. Right now he's on pace to win it again this year. But it's it's unbelievable to think that somebody who won MVP the last year could be the most improved player, whether or not he gets that recognition recognition with the award and i don't think the season ended now it's he's the mvp without even a question last year they talked a lot of talk james harden won the players vote there's there's no question right now he's the mvp he's absolutely the most valuable player in the league and i, I don't think he's going to slow down i don't see it either that shooting is just lights out it's lights beautiful out. i expect the shot to go in every time he takes it and it's nothing but net it's not like it rattles around yeah. it just goes whoop, right in yeah it's crazy. how many he had that video last year where he hit what was it 96 out of 100 in a row yeah or, or 90 not in a row but 96 out of 100 yeah. i mean yeah. that's crazy and you can't shoot a free throw i mean 99 well. percent yeah. of the population can't shoot a free throw like yeah that. yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah so that's just wild Unbelievable. yeah he's revolutionizing the game i think to yeah, to say the least. Yeah, and he's a guy who's it's been hard work his whole career too, which is so fun. Absolutely, to see. not a big uh, guy coming out of co- or coming into college, going to Davidson. Yeah. Multiple point guards drafted ahead of him. Right. Wasn't even yeah. he wasn't even uh, granted a D one scholarship until late, late right. in his senior year of high school. Yeah. And to mention, you mentioned the ankle injuries. Mm-hmm. It was it really was an uncertain uncertainty if he was going to be that type of elite player in the yeah. league. And that's why I mean he's been working on this deal that just seems outrageous because he should be getting paid way more. Yeah, I think uh, he's yeah. getting like four years, like forty million. I think it's four years, yeah. forty four. Uh, it expires soon, I believe, but uh, it's the yeah, best it's insane. Bargain. It is the best bargain in the league because then you can pay guys like Clay Thompson. You play Jermon Green, yeah. who's le- leading the lead in tr- league in triple doubles this year, and he's playing really well. So I'm, they're a really tough team. Right, Even, they're also the deepest team in the NBA. Yeah, you, you go, go down the bench, bench and Andre Iguodala coming off the bench and getting yeah. buckets. And, Even Brandon Rush, I mean, he started a game the other night, and he's not one of the best players in the league. He's not, not even one of the best players on the team. He's a good guy to be able to bring off the bench. There's top to bottom. Iguodala is 
is fantastic. He's, a he's finals not playing MVP. well. He is a finals, finals MVP. MVP. Yeah. Surprisingly, but yeah. he got it. I mean, it's right now he's sick. not showing it. He's not playing very well. He's not playing a whole lot of minutes. But, I mean, he, he can turn it on when he needs to. Yeah, and there was nobody else who could guard LeBron in the finals, and he made it th- so difficult on him. I think that was well-deserving of the MVP, though Steph averaged close to 30. I just I think it was him. He changed so many games. Yeah, it was, it was big time defense from him, and yeah. I think he was well deserving. And that's a guy coming off their bench. Yeah, who has the Finals MVP yeah, under his exactly. belt. I mean, and they can go ten, eleven deep. It's just it's a scary team. Yeah. To say the least. And, and speaking, of, go ahead. Go? Well, I was just gonna say if they do somehow manage to get through this six game or the you know five game road trip with um, two back to backs in there, which is gonna be tough. If they do get through that, Suns, Bucks, Jazz, and then hosting the Cavaliers. Christmas Day. That, that one's going to be if crazy. If they are undefeated at that point, it might be one of the most highly anticipated regular season NBA oh, games in the last 20 I know where I'll years. be on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether or not they come in undefeated, I'm going to be sitting right there watching. Yeah, it's going to be, be great. Speaking of the Cavs, I want, wanted to bring up, a report came out uh, earlier today that Kyrie's nearing his return from his injury. That could be big for them, but I've kind of liked what I've seen out of Del Vadova. Now, I know Kyrie is... Probably three, three to four times better than yeah. Matthew Delvadova, but I think Delvadova has been, really been playing well. He's his shot has improved. He's shooting off the dribble well, and this Cavs team, they're still, I mean, the top of the East. They're gonna be there again, most likely. So I, I'm excited to see more Cavs Warriors matchups throughout the you know the year. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how Kyrie, uh, well, how the Cavs in general, just having Kyrie yeah. back. They haven't had him since. I, Game two of the finals last year. I think yeah, it was, it was game, yeah, game two. Yeah, game two, um, he went down in overtime. Yeah. yeah, but it'll be fun to see it. I mean, yeah. I think no matter of... what, getting getting a guy who's borderline superstar in the NBA yeah. back on your team is is huge and is going to make a big difference. And that's why they got Kevin Love, LeBron James, and Kyrie Irving to be the big three there in Cleveland. Yeah, the thing about Kevin Love is they've kind of started to incorporate him more, and Kyrie needs the ball in his hands a bit. I mean, I don't want to you know belabor this point too much because all we heard about when LeBron was in Miami is you know you don't there aren't three basketballs right. for him. <laughs> but I mean, Kyrie does need the ball. It'll be interesting to see if Love can keep it up. He, I mean, he's looked very good to start the year. I, I think he's playing inspired ball right now. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that they lost to the Golden State Warriors after being up two to one. Yeah. In, and they had a game four matchup on their home floor in yeah. the finals. I think. I think LeBron is kind of waiting to see like how this plays out with the Warriors, and then once playoff comes, it's gonna be, it's him, all the way to the chip, and I think probably going against the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers could provide a good test because Paul George is one of the only other guys in the league that can guard him. I mean, we, we said Iguodala. Uh, there, there are a couple other guys, but maybe Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard for sure. He, you know, he he can definitely guard him. It, it, you got you think it's going to be Warriors Cavs in the finals? Honest, that's my we have to toss it out that, now. After after <laughs> early one, quarter one, yeah, yeah I'm about <laughs> to say after a month of basketball, I I'm gonna say it's gonna be Cavs Warriors rematch, kind of like how we've seen with Miami and San Antonio. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think it's gonna be reversed this time because LeBron lost this one against the Warriors yeah. first, and then I think he'll win it this year. As opposed to when he was going against the Spurs, they won the first matchup and then lost. So yeah. I think it'll be rolls reverse kind of chip yep. on chip on his shoulder. And- yeah, the, the Spurs are an interesting one because they still they're second in the West. Uh, I think they're a fantastic team. Added Marcus Aldridge. Added Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. The the one thing though is they do struggle against the Warriors. There's uh, I believe it's two years ago. Uh, that there was that first round matchup that they struggled to get out of. I mean, Steph went off. They had it was a it was a great series, and. If they match up, I mean, they're a little bit younger now. They've got a couple of guys who can chase Curry around. Yeah. I I do see the Warriors winning a matchup with the Spurs. Uh, it's tough. I, I 
I, I see Warriors Cavs too. If I gun to my head, I had to say right now. But to throw this out there, I mentioned this in the first time we went around with the podcast. The last time the Warriors lost a playoff series was to the Clippers. If the Clippers yeah. can come around, because I just think they had the the most exciting offseason and the best team on paper. Not not the best team, but one of the yeah. better teams on paper in the offseason. And the fact that they just have that rivalry with the with the Warriors. It's been chippy every time yep. they play. I think San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and I'm going to throw in the Clippers, who haven't been playing well this year, but I think those are the three biggest tests to Golden State. Yep. It's not going to be a cakewalk by any means, but as of right now, they're 20-0. It looks, it looks like it's going to be yeah. the Warriors. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up the Clippers because I want to talk about them a little bit more. They're a lot of issues to start. They're getting a little bit back on track, 10-9 and nine now. Looking better. I it's tough to figure out what's wrong. Obviously, they complain a lot, and they don't gain any favors from the refs by doing that. There have been I've watched a few Clippers games where it's been obvious the refs are just not giving them calls. No. They, I, it's it's unbelievable because it's from the top. Doc Rivers is yelling at refs too, and when your coach is doing that, everybody on the team is going to be doing that. And I mean, that's not the only problem they have. But Blake Griffin's been playing well. I mean, there are nights he has forty, and and Chris Paul still it still plays well. And they don't get contributions from anybody else. And they have one of the best benches in the league. Well, on paper. On paper. Yeah, on paper. Exactly. You're right. Yes. That's the big thing. I think I think the Clippers getting back into this is a big if. And there have even been people suggesting that they trade Blake Griffin or Chris Paul and try to start a rebuilding process, which I think it's a little early to say yeah, that. A little, I mean, a little early. They've only played nineteen games so far this yeah. season. But I mean they they do have a lot to overcome and they they need to get these things. Uh, figured out, but I mean, if there's any guy to do it in the NBA, it's Doc Rivers, the best coach in the NBA. And in my I, th- opinion. I think yeah. the Clippers have had have had issues this year because Chris Paul has been banged up. He uh, fractured his index finger in yep. a preseason game in China, which going into the season was probably rough and couldn't really shoot the way he wanted to. Uh, banged up his ribs in the last game. I think it was like a, a rib muscle strain. So I just think if if Chris Paul can come back to that elite level and reclaim his spot as the best point guard in the league because yeah. he was for the before he was before Steph Curry erupted. He's no longer, right. but he was before sure. before yeah. Steph erupted. It was a uh, first team All NBA four years in a row for Chris yep. Paul. I mean, I just think if he can get back to that level, I think they can match up with the Warriors. I, it's just hard for me to see. I mean, I think Chris Paul is still an All Star and still will be an All Star, but it's hard for me to see him getting back to that level. He's just getting to that age especially as a point guard and a guy who gets so many minutes and has to get so many minutes for this team. It, it's tough to see somebody because he's, he's getting beat up. He plays hard. He's a grind player who's yeah. playing and running hard and diving for balls all over the floor, which you love to see, especially from your point guard, your leader on the team. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard to imagine that he's really going to get back to that same level, battling all these injuries, especially early in the season. It's, when you get hurt early on the in the year because your body's only going to break down. It's a long season with those 82 games. Yeah. It's only going to take a ta- uh, toll on him, so we'll see. It is, and every time they feel, it feels like they're getting it together, like, oh, this is going to be their year. Last year they beat the Spurs in the first round. That was a crazy series. Probably the best series of the playoffs. By or, far, yeah. by far. It was it, great. It was awesome. And then they move into the next round. They go up 3-1 on the Rockets, and then they can't close it out. The Rockets bench keeps them in the series. <laughs> it goes to 3-2, and two, and the Rockets fun. end up winning the series. Great. I mean, every time you think, Okay, this is like this team is fully, you know, meshing. They're coming together. It all falls apart. I I think I'm a little biased because Chris Paul has been my favorite player. Oh yeah, for, okay. for a very long time. I mean, I just th- I just think he can he can do it. He'll get back to the way of the last couple of years. He's not going to be that player who's going to dominate the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But he'll be that floor general. He'll be that 
he led the league in assists like four or five times in his career. I think yeah. if he if he goes back to more of that kind of game and get Blake and get DJ and get Lance, all these guys involved yeah. better, and J.J. Redick, if he can get those guys involved more, uh, I, can, I can see them making a run, but that could be just me being biased. Yeah. Do you guys think this the roster going forward that the Clippers have is one that can make a playoff run, or do you think they need to get one more guy? Because obviously they tried to do a lot this offseason, bringing in Stevenson, but I don't know. It's hard for me to see I... this roster competing with the likes of the Warriors, the Spurs, and even the Thunder this year, the way Russell Rush was playing. That's actually an interesting point because I seen another thing on Twitter. I'm going back to Twitter. I get a lot of my information from there. But <laughs> I would, if I was in the Clippers, I would look at Kevin Durant and go Blake for Kevin Durant straight up. Blake is from Oklahoma City. He has ties to that city. Always goes back there. Tries to, you know, donate money to like these certain programs. KD is expiring contract, and who knows if he's going to resign. So if the if the Thunder want to get something in return, maybe try to make a move. That's just hopeful. That's a fascinating trade for me. Crazy. Think about it. Did you do that? I. You know what? Uh, Probably a year ago. Well, no, maybe a little more than a year ago. I would have said no questions asked. I would have thrown somebody else in there. Yeah. After Durant's health issues. I, and I'm not a huge Blake Griffin fan, but I've watched him this year, and he has been playing out of his mind. His his range is extended. I really don't know if I would do that trade if I if I was the the Clippers. I think Blake is really valuable. There there have been times in the past where they thought about trading him. They kind of, it sounds right. like they reportedly they shopped him around a little bit see see what they could get. And I don't think now is the time. I think you look to move somebody else before Blake because I I really he improves every year, and this year is one of the biggest jumps I've seen from him. Yeah, certainly. I think 25 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, yeah. only a few players are having those type of numbers. Yeah. I mean, he, he and DeAndre do have a pretty good chemistry. They're able to find each other down low. There's good post-passing. But, I mean, DeAndre can't do much offensively. He can get the lobs. But I think teams are starting to key in on that, and especially teams with you know bigger post guys. I think they're stopping the lobs. They're, they, it's. I'm not going to say it was a gimmick, but I think it, it's been kind of exposed a little bit, and it's not working as well. I think DeAndre is a great player. I think he's worth max money because of what he brings to a team. But DeAndre might be the guy I look to move. Believe it or not. I mean, I could see it. It's reasonable yeah, after after all that happened, and he was he was upset with Chris Paul. And yeah, I don't believe that relationship can be completely mended because there were times with Chris Paul. There's that one last year. Yeah, he's the shot. yelling. Oh, he was yelling doing? Shoot the ball. I remember Shoot, that. Yeah. He was like jumping up at the seven foot DeAndre Jordan, like trying to get his attention. You just don't do that to your teammate, especially one who, you know, who seems like he, he um, you know, kind of wants to be wants to be loved in a way. I think that's something that's been talked about in the media a little bit. Um, and then that's something Doc Rivers did well. I mean, he really, you know, made him feel appreciated because for a while there he wasn't. I mean, he's a second round draft pick that came in. And and he's shown he can do great things. Obviously, he struggles from the free throw line, and that really brings him back. But I, I like DeAndre Jordan. I hope he succeeds. I do not like what he did to Dallas. I think that was wrong. But that's a you know a topic for yeah. another day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's look at a couple of the other teams. We mentioned the Rockets, and there are a lot of teams right now that are under five hundred that are quite frankly they should be playoff teams. I think the Rockets are one of them. I think the Bucks are are borderline. They're at 7 and 12 right now. The Wizards are 7 and 9. I think they're a surefire playoff team. And I think two teams that made the playoffs last year and yeah. did well in the playoffs last year. Absolutely. And I, I mean, we talked a little bit. John Wall, he was he was really struggling. John, yeah, I mean, I'm a big Wizards fan. Love the Wizards. And John Wall was I think the team was 
negative like 14 or something with him on the floor. Oh, and it's just like, come on, guys. Like, this is supposed to be our leader. This is an all-star guy. So a superstar getting max money from them. But he's finally stepping up the last two games against the Cavs. He had 35. He did it again in the loss to the Lakers, which was horrible to see. But good to see Kobe Bryant and back in his uh, yeah. old form. Vintage Kobe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the Wizards should be playing better they are yeah. i don't think they're much better than a 500 team i think 45 wins is yeah about what you'd expect right, to see yeah. and so i mean they're two games under 500 right now but should have beat the lakers it it's still early and they'll play better bradley beal is having his best year so far of his career and looking like he should be an all-star yep. in the east averaging 20 a game so give it time i think they'll be there the the bucks to me are the interesting one the bucks are yeah. seven and twelve and they're a young team, Jabari and Giannis, two guys who could be all-stars in the next few years going forward in the NBA. Yep. I, I don't know if they're there quite yet, but it'll be fun to watch them improve and get better in the next couple of years. I think they're a playoff team in two or three years, but I think right now I have the Wizards and the Rockets coming up and getting their playoffs um, seeds that they deserve in the Bucks. Just missing out this year. Just but missing out, yeah. They'll be there soon. You think the Celtics are ahead of them? And yeah. yeah. Isaiah Thomas playing phenomenally for yeah, the Celtics. Yeah, he really is. He, he's fun he's to watch. so much yeah. fun to watch. I love to see a guy, his size, yeah. just devastate teams. I mean, <laughs> you have to be, if you think about it, there's such a small margin for error when you're that size. And he's so good at everything he does that he's able to make it work. And, I mean, yeah. everywhere else he's been, he was talked about as a guy who hurt a locker room. It seems like everybody loves him there now. I know Avery Bradley and he are friends, but... I think it's working out really well. That trade, a sneaky great one, I think. Right. I mean, it's not every day that you can get a potential all-star point guard yeah. in a like small, under-the-radar trade like that. Yeah. And so get a guy who's been a bench player a lot of the places that he had gone and come over and be your starter and lead your team and get, I don't, I don't know what he's averaging, but it feels like he's getting at least 20 a game. Yeah. And yeah. every night you're looking yeah. up in the stat sheet when the Celtics are playing, like, wow, Isaiah Thomas had another great game. And so he, he's playing well for them, and I think he'll take them into the playoffs. Especially picking it up because uh, Marcus Smart's been suffering from some injuries this year. And Isaiah's usually, I mean, last year they had him coming off as a six-man a lot. Doing that again this year, but I, I think he, when he's playing so many, he plays a starter's minutes even when right. he comes off the bench as a six-man. Yeah. And he's he is fun. Averaging right. 21 points and six assists right now. Which is, that's fantastic. And he's, I, um, I'm going back to uh, Charles Barkley. I remember him calling him a pit bull. That was the word everyone used for Isaiah. That's a good description. He's, yeah. Just, yeah. he's just that feisty point guard. He can't be any taller than 5'9". I mean, if you see him on the court, he doesn't look any taller than that. No. He's just that feisty player who's going to play defense. He's going to run the offense the right way and get you get you wins, man. I think it's he's a good pickup for Boston. Yeah. and I mean, this is an interesting little segue I'm going to do here, but a little report that came out today. Uh, so DeMarcus Cousins, who he played with in Sacramento, is now saying that he will kidnap Rajon Rondo to keep him in Sacramento after this year because he likes playing with him so much. Well, he wouldn't be the first NBA player to do that this year, <laughs> would he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. he. I mean, it's. I like seeing Boogie succeed. I, I like. Uh, I, I love watching him play basketball. I think he plays hard. I know he's had some issues. Um, if he finds a guy he likes, because they, as soon as he got a coach, he, he actually enjoyed playing for right. Mike Malone. They fire him when he's out with meningitis, and then they bring in George Carl. They've clearly butted heads, no matter what either of them yeah, says. I think Bavada had a projection for the most likely coach to get fired, and George Carl was way up on yeah. that list. He was number one. Yeah. So. and it's crazy because he was just. It feels like yesterday he was brought in, right? And already, I mean, I, I supposedly you know, Boogie wasn't consulted on that one. 
But <laughs> and I, I feel like if you do want to keep him there, he's one of those guys who you kind of have to talk to a little bit, and you have to, I mean, especially when you're firing a guy he likes. So that's a rough situation. They're they're not playing playing great basketball, but they're doing a little bit better, especially now that Boogie's back. He's had some injuries yeah. as well. And I think they have the right pieces in place. I mean, Sacramento. I mean, I'm looking at their roster now. Rudy Gay, Darren yeah. Collison, Rajon Rondo, Marco Bellinelli. I mean, they have a decent. Bellinelli, squad. yeah, that was. I mean, they pay, overpaid for him, but I mean, that worked out nicely. They tried to get Wesley Matthews in the off season. That didn't work yeah. out, but uh, and he's playing pretty well for the Mavericks, by the way. I, I, yeah, the definitely. Mavericks are a surprising team to start. They've slowed down a little bit, but uh, yeah. we're bouncing around the league here. Yeah, I'm going, loving it. Going it's, back to Boogie, though, real quickly, yeah, I, I want to throw out a potential trade. I think I'm a fan of Sacramento just moving on from Boogie. Oh, yeah? I think, I think really? Boogie is an all-star guy, but I don't think that they're going to – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs with the team that they have right now. The West, I think, is just too deep, and yeah. they're not going to do it. I say trade Boogie to Boston – and Boston picks. give those the Nets picks over for that, and maybe add somebody else in there too. But I, I think that that's the way to go for I, me. I think that's a good trade because Boston has a ton of first round draft picks from Brooklyn, who probably made the worst trade in the, the past of all time. 50, I think yeah. uh, worst trade of all time. See, I was gonna say yeah. past ten years, but that might be the worst it, trade. It of all might time. be the worst because I, of how it went. I mean, Paul Pierce leaves after the first year. And KG was like, he no, breaks down immediately. So old. Oh, I, just, I don't, I don't see why they did that trade, and just the fact. Of all those draft picks they gave up, I yeah. mean, it's hard to build without draft picks. And for the next ten years, they're gonna have to try to make moves in free agency, which always is not a guarantee. I yeah. Mean, and th- and they're probably gonna have a top fifteen pick in in like the next couple of drafts. I mean, I don't see them really making that much noise in the playoffs. So they're gonna have good picks that they're gonna have to just hand off to Boston. Yeah. So I, I feel bad that we, I mean, uh, plenty of Brooklyn fans. Probably, I mean, we're in New York. I feel bad that this trade gets brought up so much because it's all, Every all Nets fans <laughs> hear about. The, the one thing, though, so we're talking worst trade ever. I, I would agree with that. But where do you think the James Harden trade ranks then? Because <laughs> that is, if there's one in the past 10 years that comes close, it's got to be that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember who he got traded for. I, I mean, just, there was Jeremy Lamb. There were a couple picks, but yeah, not, it was. But yeah. it, it it was crazy to see. I, I mean, you lose a, a legitimate superstar I mean, right. he's, dro- he's like i think he dropped 50 earlier this year is he the only player who got to 50 so far i think so yeah i'm pretty sure i, I mean and he hasn't played great he plays awful yeah. defense right and but- the question is how how would he fit into the thunder lineup? they already got like it already feels like there's not enough of the ball to go around between yeah. westbrook and durant can you imagine having james harden who i think i think other than maybe steph right now could be is the best scorer in the nba yeah. just giving the ball in his hands but another guy who's like Carmelo who needs the ball in his hands to score. He's not catching and shooting. He's working off the dribble. He's doing hesitation and his Euro move getting into the lane. He needs yep. the ball. So I yeah. I just look at those stretches, especially last year. I mean, they were fighting hard to get into the playoffs, and it was only with Westbrook because Durant was injured. Yeah, right. If you had that other option, I think it's yeah. huge. And I it think would have been big last pushed. year for yeah. sure. For sure. I mean, they made a little bit of a push. They had the canter trade. They brought in Kyle Singler, who I think was a nice piece of the time for them. Works out. He hasn't been playing much recently, but I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I got I got some specifics on that oh, trade. Please right do. Now. It's actually when I look at it, it doesn't even it doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The Thunder acquired Jeremy Lamb and and uh, Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin. That's Kevin who I was Martin, forgetting. That's who was I knew is somebody. That's else. who yeah. I was forgetting for James Harden. No picks involved. No, no nothing. Picks, Just those yeah. two players for James Harden. And if you, look, I thought there was one pick. Wow, I was totally off. No, <laughs> no I, don't, I don't see a pick here. It's just those two players, and um, I think they they got Cole Aldridge also, mm-hmm. from okay. Oklahoma City. So they got a, a somewhat 
a decent, serviceable big man. But yeah. James Harden's contract was coming to an end in the yeah. next year or two, right? So yeah. at this point, James Harden would not be on the Oklahoma City Thunder right. anyway, like either way, because yeah. they weren't going to re-sign him because they didn't have they, the money they to, pay, to keep a box. They thought two Ibaka guys was the better right. piece for the championship, right? Which, which uh, Chase. going back, you're like, all right, probably I, not. Hindsight's twenty right. twenty, <laughs> but uh, it's still it would be interesting to see how they would all mesh together. Yeah, I mean, they made the finals with Harden. I I just. Yeah, and that it was right after that. I mean, I can't believe it was after they made the finals with him. It was clearly they were the three. I don't. I mean, I liked Ibaka too. I, I still like Ibaka, but it, it seemed pretty clear. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. We'd, be, we'd be having slightly different opinions if we were back then, right now. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think the Thunder ceiling is for this year? Do you think there's any chance they can make it? Uh, the th- the Thunder, fascinating team to me. Yeah. I was having a big debate with my friends over the summer. We, had, we talked for like two hours about whether or not KD's tenure in OKC, especially if they don't win the finals or get very far, whether or not it was a failure. Because in my opinion, it it hasn't, with with two top five NBA players in the league on the same team, (laughs) and they have, what, one finals appearance, a couple of early, like, losses. They didn't even make it last year. Granted, KD was hurt. Yep. It's interesting. And this is a thing that we've heard whispers about because – Obviously, LeBron from the beginning was just judged on a different scale, right? And he was seen, it was seen as a failure for him. Right. I mean, and so we talked lose about like a lot four finals or whatever yeah. it was. But Katie's only made it to one. He made it to one, yeah. I mean, he loses the one to the Spurs in his first year. I, I, it's tough. Yeah. He goes and, he, he, and then he loses the Mavericks in his first one with the Heat. I, I don't think it would be a failure to say that, like to say that. I think it would just be. Just the time to move on, like yeah. type of thing, because yeah. he's been. I think after this year, it'll be his eighth year, and they, like you said, one final appearance, an MVP. I mean, which that MVP was well deserved, by the very, way. I know yeah, very, yeah, talk, but yeah, for sure. I I just hope he stays healthy. There were the thing, so yeah. many problems last year. I, I just pray he stays healthy because he's another one. When he's healthy, he's one of my favorite players right. to watch as well. And when he's healthy, they are a top four or five team in the yeah. West and a playoff team, and they'll be competitive. But I, I think right now the Warriors and the Spurs are, uh, I guess, a, a step above everybody else in the West. And so I think I think that'll prove true come playoffs, too. And uh, hopefully, like, Kevin Durant and LeBron James see what Steph is doing and see how he's taking over this league and no one's really talking about LeBron, no one's really talking about Kevin Durant. And these are superstar players who are, have been known as the best players in the world for the past couple yeah. of years. I think it's time for him to say, hold on, don't forget about me. I can still yep. play. And hopefully he, for the... After the first month, he wasn't really there. Hopefully, he starts to rev it up a little bit and try to reclaim his spot as yeah. of, as an MVP. I mean, yeah, yeah. I hope he does. Uh, well, it's you know remains to be seen, but you know, guys, we've been here for a while. We should probably start wrapping <laughs> start it up. wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Do you want to toss out anything? Uh, any nuggets? Something that's been nagging you? Anything at all? I I want to say going back to the Nets. Okay. That this team is better than you might think. On paper, it doesn't look great. But yeah. I think this team could finish with 35 or 40 wins, which would be shocking the way they've been playing yeah. so far. I'm not predicting that they will win <laughs> yeah. that much. You just wouldn't be but shocked. But I'm yeah. just saying that they could be there and they could be a competitive team. And they're not they're not going anywhere in the future in the next couple of years. But I think it's fun to see and it's fun to watch. 
and their team's still worth going to Brooklyn fans. They've had they've set two nights where they had the lowest attendance in Nets history, and I think it's too early in their uh, tenure at Barclays and in Brooklyn to be having that. So I want Brooklyn fans to show up and go to the, these Nets games. They're, they're still a fun team to watch, and they got some guys who can show up and play well. I'm going to stay on that New York train because this is a New York show. I think people are have are underestimating what the Knicks have done in this first month of the season. I know they're under five hundred, but no one expected Persingas to play this way. Yeah. No one expected Melo to mesh the way he has with the new acquisitions, Aaron Aflalo, Robin Lopez. Mm-hmm. I think if the Knicks can just, you know, find find their niche because they've been winning a lot of winning some games, losing some games. If they can find their niche, I think they could be a a five a five seed in the East and Hopefully, make make some noise. If like in 2012, they were like in the second round of the playoffs. I mean, hopefully, they can get back to that trend. Yeah, and you mentioned Flow. Flow has actually been playing really well. He had a yeah. huge game the other night against the Rockets. He was you know 31, seven and four. Wow. Yeah, he had a great night. I think he's playing well. Last thing I'm going to leave you guys with though, rookie of the year. If it can, if everybody keeps oh, playing the way, that's a good wow. question. That's wow. a good question. Because we had the rookies of the month. All right, we had the rookies of the month come out today, and it was Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. It was Kristaps Porzingis. How do you see it progressing going forward? Because I think it is a race between those two guys. Right. One of the only other guys I could see enter the equation, but he won't because of his shooting, is Emmanuel Moutier. I think also, he does so much for Denver. Don't leave off Jaleel Okafor either. I know he's, okay. been, he's been in the news, and I don't think he's going to win Rookie of the Year, but this this guy is averaging, I want to say, 17 or 18 a game, too, for the Sixers and getting eight or nine boards. He's yeah. playing really well for them. But, I mean, if it comes down to Rookie of the Year pick, I think Porzingis is gets an advantage because he plays in the New York market. Yeah. And so with the media, he's getting way more attention than Towns will ever get. But yeah. I think Towns is the most deserving of it. Towns is averaging more really? points. Ta- oh, Towns man. is getting like 19 and 9. Porzingis leads in double-doubles mm-hmm. for rookies with 9. I think Towns is 8, though. Yeah. So they're neck and neck. And yeah, I, their stats are pretty similar. I, yeah, I think that's... Towns, especially with the fact that he can be one of the main scorers on the team. He's got Wiggins. But and who's similar to they're they're pretty similar in that towns towns playing the power forward center just like Porzingis yeah. and then having a guy on their team who scores a lot and needs uh, needs the ball and Wiggins and Mello and I think Wiggins can be compared to Mello pretty well but I think Towns gets that advantage in that he's going to score more than he Porzingis. gets to the line a lot too, right and he knocks him down right so I'm I'm going Towns right now I th- I think it comes down to who has more wins I mean I know it sounds a little cliche but I mean Minnesota eighth spot in the in the West right now uh, the Knicks are not too far out being nine and ten if the Knicks could find a way to make the playoffs and which they probably could in a weaker Eastern Conference and Minnesota probably will fall off because. They're in the eighth spot now, but there's teams knocking on that door: Houston, Portland, Phoenix. Yeah, I just think if if the Knicks make the playoffs, there's you you have to give it to Persingas. Yeah, I do think that is a good point because if the Knicks do make the playoffs, which I think there is a legitimate chance that they do, Persingas will probably be the guy who leads them there. I mean, Mel is going to be scoring yeah. more points per game, but it's going to be Persingas putting the team on its back if they get to the playoffs. So, and if that does prove to be the case, then. I guess you are giving the nod, the rookie of the year, to a guy who can lead his team to the playoffs. And that's the thing with, I mean, on the Knicks, this doesn't really affect the the rookie of the year. uh, No, all good. Rookie of the year equation. But on the Knicks, there's nobody who can fill in Porzingis' role. On the T-Wolves, if Carl Anthony Towns missed some time, Gorgie Jang is a very good NBA player. And I I really, I I like him. It's a bummer to see him on the bench so much because he really fills up a stat line. He really plays hard, plays well. So, I mean, that doesn't enter the rookie of the year equation, but 
I, I think Porzingis. I think Porzingis will get it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, agree. it's yeah. a fun award to watch and a great question to bring up now. Yeah. It, Since some, we just got the Rookie of the Month, especially right. some, something to watch going forward the rest of the season. The season in general, yeah. this NBA season is going to be a good one. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you guys. I don't remember being this excited about an NBA season in a little while. I think the NBA's yeah. been kind of, kind of yeah. down lately. It's always been the same teams every year, and it still kind of feels that way. But the East is a lot more competitive this yeah. year. They're a lot deeper. It's it's gonna be a great year. I'm I'm excited too. It's 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 gonna be an exciting couple months to see what goes uh, leads into the playoffs. I think it's gonna be really exciting. Yeah, I'm psyched. I I, I love basketball, and, and we're seeing pretty good basketball right now. Right. I, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. This has been great. Yeah. I mean, uh, round, round two, two still went well. <laughs> still went well. Still I, mean, <laughs> I just had a great time. This is awesome. Uh, I look yeah. forward to more shows coming in. Coming yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, coming the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. You know, thank you, Tyler. Tyler Friere ahead of me. David Ballack on my left. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, guys, keep keep checking for our podcast. It'll be out mostly mostly Thursdays in the upcoming weeks. So uh, yeah, Drop, uh, if you you know want to get in touch, you can hit us up on Twitter at WFUV Sports. Yeah, give us a shout. This, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, let's, let's enjoy some basketball because there's some basketball on right now. Yes, sir.